I want to find somebody who loves the pour and the concrete. I want to trade my piece out and I want to go do another project that is getting the approval. And I'm just going to wash, rinse, and repeat that over and over. And that's my golden spot. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus, and we are here today with Dr. Ryan Smolars. Ryan, did I say that right? You did, like a small r in the alphabet. (laughs) All right. Welcome back. We had a great conversation before. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. I think it would be very worth your time and add a lot of value. So the second half of the conversation, you've been doing some work using blockchain technology and real estate. And I'd love to hear more about that because this is something to me that I understand a little bit about how all the little different computers are talking and they got to have the same information. And that's it. I just explained my full (laughs) blockchain knowledge to you. Yeah. So um, blockchain to me is probably going to change the world in so many different ways and really already has when we talk about decentralized finance. But really at its core, you have to separate cryptocurrency from blockchain because although crypto cannot exist without blockchain, blockchain can totally exist without cryptocurrency. Basically, the blockchain portion is just a ledger. It's just like an Excel file that cannot be changed or hacked without you knowing that it's been changed or hacked. So basically, you have this key, right, that will tell you that it hasn't been tampered with. So that's what mining is all about. It's going through the ledger and making sure that nothing's been tampered with. And if it has, say, hey, we're over here. This portion's been tampered with. This isn't right. And so it'll go back and it'll pull that and it'll go to the previous piece and put it back in. There is an incredible TED Talk called Blockchain Massively Simplified on YouTube that goes through this. And I've seen probably tens of thousands of talks on blockchain at this point. But that one, to me, takes it to a level where anyone can understand it and understand the concepts well. And if you take that ledger, Let's say we have a house, right? And the house is on the blockchain. And if you go to get title insurance on that property and you're able to tell everything that's happened from since conception and you want to know there's a crack in the fireplace, I wonder if there's been some sort of damage to that or some sort of repair, right? You go to the blockchain, you can trust it, right? You go to the seller, you say, hey, has there been any repairs on the fireplace? And they're like, well, I bought it three years ago or four years ago. Since I've had it, there's been no repair, right? There's no way to track that down. If it's all on the blockchain, you can trust it. So basically what blockchain is, is building a trustless system. If I am doing business with you, I don't have to trust you anymore. All I have to do is trust the platform. Does that make sense? That does. And so the decentralized is that when we were talking about the mining, that this ledger is held on all these different computers all over the place, and they're all checking the ledger. 
Yes. So if one gets tampered with, everybody else is like, hey, you're off. Yeah. And can make that ledger right. So there's no one place where you could go in. Somebody could go in and hack one computer, one mining system, but to be able to change them all in the same way right. is impossible. Or we think that it's impossible. Because <laughs> okay. anything's yeah. it's, it's a lot harder than it is to defraud most of the other systems that we rely on right now. Right. So here's the core of I think what you're describing. And this is something that we all really need to think about is the miners right now are becoming more centralized, especially in this economic environment, because the bigger ones are the ones that are surviving, right? And so they're getting bigger and bigger and they're doing more and more of the mining. The question is, is does that make it more centralized, right? Wow. Super interesting question. And yeah, smart enough to give you the answer. <laughs> but Everything in this world is about not having the people on top be able to change without having everyone throughout the system agree that that's what needs to happen. It's like changing a law, but you have to go out to all thousand people in town and have 100% of those thousand people agree that you're going to change it. Well, it depends on how you set up the governance of the chain. All it is is an if-then statement. If 85% of the people agree, then it can be changed. If this, then that. So it's all on algorithm. And the thing about smart contracts is you have to have everything up front very well mapped out because the algorithm is going to go through it, whether you like it or not, even if you set it up. Now, you can set it up with caveats to say, okay, stop here and have these people make sure that the contract from above there is done correctly, some of those sorts of outs. But that's all. it's neither smart nor a contract. <laughs> all it does is tell you, if this happens, then that happens. And so if you map that out, if you take that out further with what we're doing in the tokenization world, now we're building this out on the back end of the fund. And it really, at this point, the secondary markets aren't built out. So it really doesn't have that much to do with our project right now. But Basically, that whole world in real estate, what we are doing is making an illiquid asset liquid, right? So if you have a, let's call it a self-storage facility, I own 5% of that facility as a limited partner. I get 5% of the tokens that represent the whole facility. And with those tokens, I can go to a secondary market and I can trade them with another person. Here are the reasons to do that. If you, say, have a catastrophic emergency in your life, say a wife gets sick or whatever the case may be, and you need cash to take care of her, in a normal syndication, you have a hold period where you are not going to be able to get out of that asset without some sort of big loss. If a secondary market is built out, you can go trade those tokens just like you would on the stock market or whatever the case may be. So that's one scenario. The second scenario is what's near and dear to my heart is there are some people who only like to take the project to the point of getting the city's approval or right when the shovel goes into the ground, they're like, you know what? I'm really good at this piece of the project and I don't really care about the actual concrete getting poured or the lease up. I think there's way too much 
volatility in that lease up risk. That's not where I want to be. So right when the shovel hits the ground, you take those tokens, you go out to the secondary market, you say, okay, I want to find somebody who loves the pour in the concrete. That's what I'm looking for. I want to trade my piece out and I want to go do another project that is getting the approval, right? And I'm just going to wash, rinse and repeat that over and over. That's my golden spot. And so that's that. That's interesting. So it both adds liquidity and a more trustworthy background check, basically, of what's happened. It's not just one file on one computer that says things are this way. It builds that whole ledger. But then because you could pull things out, because right now, yeah, the cost of exiting, and it's because of the cost of the sponsor. It's not that sponsors are trying to lock you in. It just, if you start having people moving in and out, your administration cost goes way up and the returns go way down. So again, it's protecting the investor's returns. But this way, with blockchain, there's not a cost to the operator in allowing that to move around. Here's what you're describing. The cost, if we break it down even further from administrative, is middlemen or women, right? All the people that you have to pay to get that transaction done, what are they actually doing? They are filling the trust gap, right? (laughs) Okay, so now yeah. I have to trust you anymore. There are no middlemen. When we play this out, all of those costs go away. That's the trustless system. That's intriguing. Okay, I think I understand it. Now, <laughs> is this part of what's on your show too? We haven't gone there much since November and the debacle that's happened in the crypto world. People tend to shy away from it. And it's so interesting to me that. We think that it's not trustworthy of an industry where that is whole basis, Um, but we will get there in a timely fashion. There's a lot of people in blockchain right now that are getting more and more interested and we're sort of getting back from all the debacles that have happened and some of those sorts of things. And so we will introduce it, but we really want to be careful not to turn people off either. Yeah. Because it is, when things are new, they can be scary. Yeah. So at this point, it's not part of what you're doing, but it's technology that's being built out to help people be more liquid in the future. Yeah. So our facilities will be represented by tokens, and they will have the ability to hold them in their own wallet if they prefer, or in a centralized place. But in the end, even if you lost all of your tokens at this point, there would be no repercussions from it. I'll put it that way. Okay. So it's a way to start trying it out. Yes. Okay. So I'm looking back at your bio here and your superpower, recognizing patterns. I love this one. So tell me more about these patterns that you see and then how that benefits your business ventures, your patients, your investors. Yeah. So I think it helps them all. Over the course of my life, I've had a lot of issues with reading in general, right? And so As a part of that, I really had to use basically all the inputs that I have to understand these topics, especially in medicine and some of those sorts of things. So I can listen to it. I can feel it. I just can't absorb it by words like other people do. And so the way I describe this is for a person like me and my son, there are no trees. It's only forest, right? I don't have the luxury of 
getting down deep into the weeds on one particular topic. I have to take a step back and look at it broadly. And with that, I can see, oh, well, if they did this this way, boom, 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 boom. And then five years before that, this person did the same thing and had the same outcome. Then those patterns repetitively start coming to the surface, right? And we talk a lot about that and how to have these different types of people on your team is absolutely incredible. If you go back and look at Verdon, the company, Richard Branson, when you send him a resume, he wants you to put what type of person you are on the top in bold letters. Like, I am this because he has certain places for those people and he absolutely loves it. Now, if you're a normal reading person, he's like, okay, so where are your like superpowers? Just like you said, because if you're not spending 80% of your time using that skill, your skills are being wasted, right? Yeah. That goes back into that whole 80-20 that most of the time we get 80% of our results out of 20% of our effort. So yeah. he's trying to say, let's make 80% of your effort that what was just 20%. Make sure you're doing the right work that you're good at and you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. That for me, and I remember the first time I heard somebody say it, that we tend to be attracted to people like us. Yeah. And it doesn't build a good business because you got a bunch of people sitting around doing the same thing and shaking their head and going, yeah, man, I'm with you. Yeah, that's a great idea. But you don't have the people that need all the other roles. And a team is a full set of roles. Hey, we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'll talk about the Packers. Great quarterback doesn't make a team. You need each of those positions filled to play the game. If you got 11 guys out there who are 200 pounds and run a 4040, you're still only going to get so far because there's no big guys. Exactly. And that hits on a very interesting topic. That to me is what the internet gap filled, right? There are no endless travels to bring people into your team anymore, right? If there's somebody in Norway that'd be a good fit for your team, they just stay in Norway and they get on Zoom calls. So it filled that distance gap, as we like to say. Yeah. I wonder if that with healthcare, I think we were so set in a model that maybe that's part of the next step in the healthcare system is that we better recognize how to build a better team and that the whole team doesn't have to be in one office at the same time to give the same result. I think that's where we're going with robots, but I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I saw something recently, and I think AI and blockchain, I did a show just recently with somebody who's really delving into this AI thing. And I think there are two topics that people get nervous about because they bring out that like Terminator fear that the world's changing and the robots are taking over. But I saw a great article yesterday on LinkedIn that talked about the best places for AI and things that when you talk about the robot, there's places for robots and it's doing jobs that are dangerous and repetitive and kind of AI is the same thing. If it's a lot of reviewing redundant things, much better to be done by AI than a person. So I think we'll see a lot of those I hope we see a lot of this new technology kind of solving some of our our issues in the healthcare industry. Yeah. So what you're describing is the governance and it's the governance of blockchains, the governance of AI. Both are very scary topics. 
But as far as it goes with the technology piece, I'm using AI every single day, all day long. It is just becoming integrated in everything that I do. Because of that, you don't want to be doing the repetitive task to get where you need to be. You need to be focused on the vision or whatever it is that you're part of the company does. So for somebody out there who's listening, again, who's who's thinking like, wait, you use AI every day. How do you use it? How are you using it every day right now? Like a a name, give them a name to delve into an AI service, a company. Yeah. So probably one of the biggest ones that I use is called autofunnels.ai. Chat GPT, I use as many of the plugins as I can use, but autofunnels.ai is super interesting. They built it to produce books and funnel systems like the internet, like you would go through a funnel system for what we do to get with me on a call, right? So I used it and with zero development experience, was able to produce a very nice website in about an hour and a half. And so with that, I started looking at the books and the ability to produce content. What I found was I don't need books anymore to learn something. I can put it into AI, ask it to make a book on the topic, and it will be up to the second current. And so let's say I wanted the other day to look up, didn't understand what a private annuity was in the commercial real estate market, right? That's a whole different topic. So I went in and I went to chat GPT. I said, produce a table of contents of the things I need to know, because I don't even know what I need to know. (laughs) And it did. It produced it. And so I went through a couple of things and I said, okay, how is this different from residential? And so it populated it out. And then I built a book on it. And so now I have an up to the second book on private annuities. It's like 200 pages. And so now I can go back and study it and read it. It's amazing. It's just incredible. So you just built your own book to educate yourself. Yep. And that Maybe a year from now, that book's no longer up to date. So I just produced another one. (laughs) Just make a whole new, wow, that's pretty cool. See, this is what's great is often when something's scary, we don't dive into it. I love people who dive into it and you end up so far ahead. I feel like just from this conversation, I'm ahead of 99% of the world. (laughs) And I took like two steps and now I'm here typing on my iPad. like. Funnel AI. Okay, I got that. I can go back and look at it later. Yeah. All right. So the next one here, and I love this too, is you're an open book when it comes to teaching doctors about how to get started investing. And in your opinion, and I love this, this is the best time in history to get started. Wealth transfer happens in tumultuous times. Yes. What do you see going on right now that makes this the best time to start investing in real estate versus five years ago? Yeah. So I think Warren Buffett said it best, right? I'm going to butcher his saying, but you want to be running into the theater that's on fire when everybody's running out, right? Because that's when the good prices happen. Now, has that all sort of transpired yet? Who knows? I have a theory that it has, but there's a lot of people out there that don't think that way. But regardless, even if you're scared right now, even if the markets are just terrifying for you, which they really shouldn't be with a little bit of grounding. But this time is incredible for learning, right? So if you're not going to place capital, there are all kinds of people out there that are super motivated to get you in to raise that capital because it's hard to do. 
So if we were in good times, if we were three or four years ago and you didn't have any experience, you're going to have a hard time getting a sponsor to sit down with you, right? <laughs> Go through all these things because there's a lot of big money out there that they're putting their attention towards. But right now they'll talk to anybody, right? Anybody. And so you can almost get a complete MBA education by just going sponsor to sponsor and getting pitched. So it's incredible, right? In, in my opinion, as the rates start coming down and people start realize that the cap compression is not sustainable, kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, but I'll try to explain. We are going to hit this sweet spot of where the prices are low and the interest rates are low. And if you can recognize it and take full advantage of it, because there's going to be a lot of distressed properties out there for basically the debt coming due, that if you have the ability to see it, and take part in it where you have enough dry powder, the opportunity, in my opinion, is endless. I was just thinking about your discussion about AI is with all the, if you're jumping on Zoom calls like this with a sponsor, and there's all these apps now that can take notes for you, transcription from that meeting. So you can take everything that came out of that meeting and you don't have to scribble notes like when we were kids in school. And you'll have that book. (laughs) You could even use AI to paraphrase it and bring it down to the Reader's Digest version and build your own little course by just talking to different sponsors. Absolutely. You're right. There's probably people out there now who are working in their investor relations that used to be slammed busy, and now they're not so busy. And they really want to talk to people because if they're not on calls... Yeah. There's a question of what they're doing for the sponsor. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I don't have to read the Wall Street Journal to know when the market's bad because my phone is blowing up from brokers, right? (laughs) If if I'm not getting calls from brokers, I know that it's going to be tough for me to find a deal, right? But when they're calling you, like, here's the guy who might be. Yeah. And that for people who are investing, there are now, you're starting to see distressed asset funds. And it's a lot of money. There's some institutional money on the sidelines waiting for these distressed assets. But there's also a space there for smaller investors to come into smaller deals and make these same investments that probably 10 years from now will look back and go, oh my goodness, like 2009. Yeah. It was terrifying. I looked at buying a condo in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for like $98,000 in 2009. And I was like, oh, what if it's going to zero? And I couldn't pull the trigger. I I look back and go, oh, it was probably like that one was the bottom of the market in Jackson. Yeah. Because even six months later, it was 120. But this there is, this is a great time to start learning, to figure this stuff out and be ready because it's really going to be a spectacular time here over the next several years. Yeah. And then once it starts taking back off, I mean, in my mind, there's so much liquidity out there that's sloshing around, just waiting to pounce that the markets are just going to go nuts. I don't know if it's into 24, 25, 26, but whenever that time period is, like you say, it's going to be exactly like 2009. It's going to be something to see. All right. So what would be your final advice to our listeners here who are looking at getting going before we wrap up the show? 
Yeah. So there's a bunch of ways to go about this, but I would say come take a look at what we're trying to do over at storepartners.com. Get a call with us and let's try to see if we can provide some value to you. If nothing else, you can tell us how to change our pitch deck and we can get some good value from you. But I would say just start reading and looking. And when you have questions, find people that can answer those questions. I'm a resource. I would imagine that if somebody reached out to you, you wouldn't have a problem with helping them out and that sort of thing. So we exist. I just want your listeners to know that people like us, you and me, exist, and we're happy to help. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan. It's been great to have you here. For everybody out there, I do have one call to action for you, a special request. Please go onto your Apple Music, if you're listening to it there, or Spotify, and leave us a review. If you hated the show, leave a bad review. But the... <laughs> If you love the show, the reviews are what make the show easier to find for other people. So, Ryan, thank you for being here. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.